Welcome to Reading Christian Texts. Today we're going to be reading Gregory of Nazianzus' first theological oration on the character of theologians and who is qualified to do theology. So, we'll start at the beginning. My argument is addressed to those who take pride in their own eloquence. So, to begin with the text of Scripture, I am against you, O arrogant one, not only in your system of teaching, but also in the way you hear things and in your cast of mind. For the ears and tongues of certain persons, and not only their ears and tongues, but also, I now see, even their hands are eager to scratch at our words. There are people who delight in profane chatter and in paradoxes of pseudo-knowledge and in wrangling over words which tend to no profit. For thus does Paul, the preacher and establisher of the word, cut short, the disciple and teacher of the fishermen, call all that is excessive or superfluous in discourse. But as to those who we refer, would that they, whose tongue is so voluble and clever in applying itself to noble and approved language, would likewise pay some attention to actions. For then, perhaps, in a little while, they would become less sophistical and less strange and astonishing as word tumblers, if I may use such a ridiculous expression about ridiculous behavior. But since they neglect every path of righteousness, and look only to this one point, namely, which of the propositions submitted to them they shall bind or loose, like those persons who in the theaters perform wrestling matches in public, but not that kind of wrestling in which the victory is won according to the rules of the sport, but a kind to deceive the eyes of those who are ignorant in such matters and to catch applause. And every marketplace must buzz with their talking, and every dinner party be made tedious with silly talk and mind-numbing conversation, and every festival be made unfestive and full of dejection, and every occasion of mourning be consoled by a greater calamity, their questions... And all the women's apartments accustomed to simplicity be thrown into confusion and robbed of its flower of modesty by the torrent of their words. This being the case, the evil is tolerable and not to be borne, and our great mystery is in great danger of being made a thing of little moment. Well then, let these spies bear with us, moved as we are with parental compassion, and as holy Jeremiah says, torn in our hearts, let them bear with us so far as not to give a savage reception to our discourse upon this subject, and let them, if indeed they can, restrain their tongues for a short while and lend us their ears. However that may be, you shall at any rate suffer no loss, for either we shall have spoken in the ears of those that will hear, and our words will bear some fruit, namely an advantage to you, since the sower sows the word upon every kind of mind, and the good and fertile bears fruit. Or else you will depart despising this discourse of ours as you have despised others, and having drawn from it further material for gainsaying and railing at us, upon which to feast yourselves yet more. And you must not be astonished if I speak a language which is strange to you and contrary to your custom, who profess to know everything and to teach everything in too audacious and high-flying a manner, not to irk you by saying ignorant and rash. Not to everyone, my friends, does it belong to philosophize about God. Not to everyone. The subject is not so cheaply acquired, nor is it for earthbound minds. And I will add, not before every audience, nor at all times, nor on all points, but on certain occasions, before certain persons, 
and within certain limits. Philosophizing about God does not belong to all persons, because it is permitted only to those who have been examined and have a solid footing in contemplation, and who have been previously purified in soul and body, or at the very least are being purified. For the impure to touch the pure is, we may safely say, not safe, just as it is unsafe to fix weak eyes upon the sun's rays. And what is the permitted occasion? It is when we are free from all external defilement or disturbance, and when that which rules within us is not confused with vexations and roving impressions, like persons mixing up good writing with bad, or filth with the sweet odors of unguents. For it is necessary to be truly at leisure to know God, and when we can get a convenient season to discern the straight road of the things divine. And who are the permitted persons, those to whom the subject is of real concern, and not those who make it a matter of pleasant gossip, like any other thing, after the races or the theater or a concert or a dinner or still lower activities? To such people, idle jests and petty contradictions about these subjects are a part of their amusement. Next, on what subjects and to what extent may we philosophize? On matters within our reach, and to such an extent as the mental power and grasp of our audience may extend. No further, for just as excessively loud sounds injure the hearing, or too much food the body, or just as excessive burdens beyond the strength of the bearers injure them, or excessive rains the earth, so too these hearers may be pressed down and overborne by the difficulty of the arguments, and may even lose some of the understanding that they originally possessed. Now I'm not saying that it is not needful to remember God at all times. I must not be misunderstood, or I shall have, or I shall be having these nimble and quick people down upon me again. For we ought to think of God even more often than we draw our breath, and if the expression is permissible, we ought to do nothing else. Indeed, I am one of those who entirely approve that word which bids us meditate day and night, and cry out in the evening, in the morning, and at noonday, and bless the Lord at all times, or to use Moses' words when one lies down, or when one gets up, or when one walks on the road, or whatever else one is doing. And by this recollection, we are to be molded to purity." so that it is not the continual remembrance of God that I would hinder, but only the talking about God. Nor do I consider even that to be wrong in itself, but only when it is inappropriate. Nor do I object to teaching about God, but only to lack of judgment in doing so. As eating too much honey, even though it is honey, makes one vomit. And as Solomon and I think, there is a time for everything. And that which is good ceases to be good if it is not done in a good way. Just as a flower is quite out of season in winter, and just as a man's clothing does not become a woman, nor a woman's a man, and as geometry is out of place in mourning, or tears at a party, shall we in this instance alone disregard the proper time in a matter, of, in, a matter in which discretion should be respected most of all? Surely not, my friends and brethren. For I will still call you brethren, even though you do not behave like brothers. Let us not think so, nor yet, like excited and ungovernable horses, throw off our driver reason, 
and spitting out the bit of restraining reverence, let us run wide of the turning post. Instead, let us philosophize with our proper bounds and not be carried away into Egypt, nor be swept into Assyria, nor sing the Lord's song in a strange land, by which I mean before any kind of audience, stranger or kindred, hostile or friendly, sympathetic or unsympathetic, who watch what we do with a critical eye and would like the spark of what is wrong in us to become a flame and secretly kindle and fan it and raise it to heaven with their breath and make it higher than the Babylonian flame which burnt up everything around it. For since their strength lies not in their own teachings, they hunt for it in our weak points, and therefore they apply themselves to our, shall I say, misfortunes or failings like flies to wounds. But let us at least be no longer ignorant of ourselves, or pay too little attention to the due order in these matters. And if it be impossible to put an end to the existing hostility, let us at least agree upon this, that we will utter mysteries under our breath, and holy things in a holy manner. And we will not cast to profane ears that which may not be uttered, nor give evidence that we possess less gravity than those who worship demons and serve shameful fables and deeds, for they would sooner give their blood to the initiated than certain words. But let us recognize that as in dress and in diet and laughter and behavior there is a certain decorum, so there is also in speech and silence, since among the many titles and powers of God we pay the highest honor to word. Let even our disputes, then, be kept within bounds." Why should someone who is hostile, who is a hostile listener to such words, be allowed to hear about the beginning of God or God's creation, or how God was made out of things which had no existence, or of section and analysis and division? Why do we make our accusers our judges? Why do we put swords in the hands of our enemies? Think for a minute. Or with what temper will arguments about such subjects be received by those who approve of adulteries? And the corruption of children, and who worship the passions and cannot conceive of anything higher than the body, who until quite recently set up gods for themselves, and gods at that who were noted for the vilest deeds. Will it not first be from a material standpoint, shamefully and ignorantly, and in the sense to which they have been accustomed? Will they not make your theology a defense for their own gods and passions? For if we ourselves wantonly misuse these words, it will be a long time before we shall persuade them to accept our philosophy. And if they are in their own persons inventors of evil, how should they refrain from grasping at such things when offered to them? Such result comes to us from our rivalry. Such result dogs those who fight for the word beyond what the word approves. They are behaving like insane persons who set their own house on fire, or abuse their own children, or disavow their own parents and treat them as strangers. But when we have excluded from the conversation whatever is alien to it, and sent the great legion on its way to the abyss and the herd of swine, the next thing is to look to ourselves and polish our theological self to beauty like a statue. The first point to be considered is this, what is this great rivalry of speech and endless talking? What is this new disease of insatiability? Why have we tied our hands and armed our tongues? 
We do not praise either hospitality or brotherly love or conjugal affection or virginity, nor do we admire liberality to the poor or the chanting of songs or night-long vigils or tears. We do not subdue the body by fasting or go forth to God by prayer, nor do we subject the worse to the better, I mean the dust to the spirit, as they would do who form a just judgment of our composite nature. We do not make our life a preparation for death, nor do we make ourselves masters of our passions, mindful of our heavenly nobility, nor tame our anger when it swells and rages, nor our pride that brings about a fall, nor unreasonable grief, nor ignorant pleasure, nor insincere laughter, nor undisciplined eyes, nor insatiable ears, nor excessive talking, nor absurd thought, nor any of the occasions which the evil one gets against us from sources within ourselves, bringing upon us the death that comes through the windows, as Holy Scripture says, that is, through the senses. Indeed, we do the very opposite, and have given liberty to the passions of others, as kings give releases from service in honor of a victory, only on one condition that they incline to our side and make their assault upon God more boldly or more impiously. And we give them an evil reward for a thing which is not good, license of tongue for their impiety. And yet, O chatty dialectian, I will question you a little, and you shall declare to me as the one who answers through whirlwind and clouds, says to Job. Are there many dwelling places in God's house, as you have heard, or only one? Of course you will admit that there are many, and not only one. Now they all are to be filled, or only some and others not, so that some will be left empty and will have been prepared to no purpose? Of course all will be filled, for nothing can be in vain which has been done by God. And you can you tell me what you will consider this dwelling place to be? Is it the rest and glory which is in store there for the blessed or something else? No, not anything else. Since then we are agreed upon this point. Let us further examine another also. Is there anything that procures these different dwelling places, as I think there is? Or is there nothing? Certainly there is. What is it? Is it not that there are various modes of conduct and various aims, one leading one way, another leading another way, according to the proportion of faith, and these we call ways? Must we, then, travel all, or just some of these ways, the same individual traveling along them all, if that is possible, or, if not, along as many as may be, or else along some of them? And even if this may not be, it would still be a great thing, at least he appears to me, to travel excellently along even one. You are right in your conception. When you hear there is but one way, and that narrow, what then does the word seem to you to mean? That there is but one way, on account of its excellence. For it is but one, even though it may be split into many parts. And it is narrow because of its difficulty because it is trodden by few in comparison with the multitude of the adversaries and of those who travel along the road of wickedness. So I think, too. Well, then, my good friend, since this is so, why do you, as though condemning our doctrine for a certain poverty, rush headlong down that way which leads through what you call arguments and speculations, but I frivolities and quackeries? Let Paul reprove you with those bitter reproaches in which after his list of the gifts of grace, he says, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Etc. 
But it may be as you say, you are high, even higher than the heights, even above the clouds, if you wish, a spectator of things invisible, a hearer of things unspeakable, one who has ascended after Elijah, and one who after Moses has been deemed worthy of the vision of God, and after Paul has been caught up into heaven. Why then do you set up your companions as saints and ordain them as theologians all in a single day, as if it were breath into them instruction? and make them many counsels of ignorant oracles. Why do you entangle those who are weaker in your spider's web, as if it were something great and wise? Why do you stir up wasps' nests against the faith? Why do you suddenly bring a flood of dialectics upon us, as the myths of old say that the earth sprouted the giants? Why have you collected, like offscorings, every worthless thing that has human form into one torrent, and having made them sillier by flattery, fashioned a new workshop, cleverly making a harvest for yourself out of their want of understanding. Do you deny these things? Do you care for nothing but controversy? Must your tongue rule you at any cost, and can you not restrain the throes of your talk? You may find many other deserving subjects for discussion. Turn this disease of yours to these with some advantage. Attack the silence of Pythagoras and the Orphic beans, and that preposterous brag himself has spoken. Attack the ideas of Plato, and the transbodiments and circulations of our souls, and the reminiscence and the unlovely loves for the lovely bodies, though directed to the beloved soul. Attack the atheism of Epicurus, and his atoms, and his doctrine of pleasure, unworthy of a philosopher. Or Aristotle's petty providence, and his artificial system, and his discourses about the mortality of the soul and the exclusively human focus of his teachings. Attack the haughtiness of the Stoa or the greed and vulgarity of the cynic. Attack for me the emptiness that is full of absurdities, all that stuff about the gods and the sacrifices and the idols and demons, whether beneficent or malignant and all of the tricks that people play with divination, the calling up of gods or of souls and the power of the stars. And if these things seem to you unworthy of discussion as petty and already often confuted, and you wish to keep to your line and to seek, satisfy, to, seek to satisfy your ambition in it, then here too I'll provide you with broad paths. Philosophize about the world, or worlds, about matter, about soul, about natures endowed with reason, good or bad, about resurrection, about judgment, about reward, or the sufferings of Christ. For in these subjects, to hit the mark is not useless, and to miss it is not dangerous. But with God, we shall have converse, in this life only in a small degree. But a little later, it may be more perfectly in the same, our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever. Amen.